I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome to Tuesday's show, and it's just me. The studio is very empty. There's no Murph today. He's unfortunately off sick, so I'm holding down the fort. I'm joined today by American football journalist and photographer, rule specialist and moderator of the NFL UK official Facebook group. It's Roger Goodgroves. Roger, welcome to Five Yard Rush. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you, Matt. I've just uh, had a weekend of officiating uh, um, with uh, all the British Referees Association um, at our annual convention. So I had the pleasure of uh, picking up uh, the guest speaker, Bill Lamonnier from the airport, He's the ESPN rules analyst. So when they uh, cut to the, what happened there, Bill? He's the man. So, uh, so yeah, it was a very entertaining conversation because he's uh, he's in his seventies now, but he's uh, officiated the Division One finals and all the various Citrus Bowls that go around. So uh, yeah, it's got a lot of stories. Amazing, amazing. So what with the British referees and stuff? What what does he what do they do in Britball or British referees in the NFL? Um, well, predominantly British referees uh, officiate the British game, everything from the seniors 
through to the universities, including the women, and also quite a lot of youth ball now. So you get under 17s, under under 19s, um, all playing kitted football nowadays. So there's lots of football going on all the time. Most people in the UK who um, follow American football don't even realize how big the scene is in the UK. And there are literally hundreds of university teams that uh, all play during the winter. And then the sort of league structure for the cities take over during the summer, the likes of Leeds versus Birmingham and various London teams. So is it all over during the summer season? It's all year round then? Yeah, we have a couple of breaks. They have the universities have a break over Christmas while they go off on their uh, holidays. So that's a few weeks over the Christmas break. And then um, basically we have a a break just between the end of their season. We had two weeks, one of which was our convention, and then we're back into the senior season for next weekend. Oh, interesting. So there must be a team local to me that I didn't know that was there. Yeah, I probably is. Um, I'll furnish your website with a, uh, a link to uh, a geographical map of where all the teams are that you can click on and zoom into, and you can see whether you just want to look at women's or just want to look at flag, flag football or... Uh, etc and um there's usually a team not too far away unless you're in some very weird and wonderful places yeah no i'm in london so there should be someone there. oh there's plenty in london yes absolutely yeah, yes it'd be interesting to go along and watch some, some ball that yeah you should yeah sure. and one of the things i do I, I schedule the referees to the games that's uh, one of my jobs within the uh, the organization so i can tell you chapter and verse on who's playing who which week so uh i was willing to give that information out Perfect. So I suppose we'll start with how you got affiliated with the NFL UK. Yeah. Um, well, I've been playing, coaching, officiating football now since 1984. So showing my age here. Started <laughs> when I was very young, of course. Um, but I started playing um, in Northampton for the Stormbringers, who were one of the very, very early teams to start up in the UK. And I uh, played and coached for them for a, a number of years. And um, then... Uh, towards uh, the last few years I've uh, got into officiating. Um, been an NFL fan throughout those years, um, been involved in various events the NFL were running, uh, both from a fan but also as a journalist. I write for a, a magazine website called Double Coverage, which covers a lot of the Britball game but as well as the NFL. So I'm their NFL analyst. And uh, so I've been involved there. So I get along to the games. I also photograph the games because my main job is as a photographer. So uh, I get along to the games at Wembley and other stadiums to shoot from the field level, which is uh, in itself and a, a great experience. Yeah, I bet. That, that would be... So did you get sideline action? Yeah, uh, down behind the um, advertising hoardings at Wembley. Oh, incredible. I guess yes. you're going to the games this year. Uh, yeah, I, I say yes, uh, should be. Uh, we don't know our assignments and, and we don't know whether we've got clearance until much nearer the time, but um, certainly we'll be uh, applying for it again this year. Oh, wicked. Well, if you do go, we're definitely going, so we'll have to catch up for a beer. Absolutely. I, in previous years, I've done other things um, related to the American football referees in the UK. Uh, we provide the chain crew and various other roles at Wembley or at the London Games. So I've actually done chain crew a couple of times at Wembley, uh, which is an amazing experience. And um, I've also done things like the scoreboard. And we also get involved with the replay. So when, you, when the ref goes to the replay on the 25-yard line and they look at that little hot screen he's holding up, uh, one of our referees of the uh, people holding the screens and communicating back to the guys in New York and to the replay booth. Wow. Have a few roles. That's properly involved. Amazing. 
Yeah, it is. And it's, it's great. And it's a great experience to be involved because you realize how much goes on behind the scenes um, and how many different roles there are. You know, you've even got guys who uh, sit there and all their job is, is to cut comms to the, um, between the sideline and the field at 15 seconds before the, uh, the play clock expires. And uh, their job is just literally to press a button, cut that comms. <laughs> yeah. but somebody has to do it. That's true. There must be several roles that guy could undertake, surely. I don't yeah, know. You couldn't, yeah. <laughs> I, I learned about the 15-second comms rule in the Super Bowl just gone because the Patriots started doing it to the Rams because then they didn't work. They couldn't work out what they were playing. Exactly. They left it as long as possible and then they cut the comms and then changed the plays. Very yeah. clever. Yeah, I was, it was good of the commentators to bring that up as well. And yes. Because otherwise you just don't know that that's happening. And people, no. are, people think that they're just wasting time with the clock and what's the point in the game. People moan the game's too long, but <laughs> there's a strategic region reason for them doing it. I, I'm for it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Roger, who's your NFL team? I don't have one anymore. Not a, a regular one. I Over the years, I have followed a number of teams, but I'm one of these people that don't like following the bandwagons. So when a team becomes too popular, I don't tell people I follow them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I started, to, to give you a history, I started as a Washington Redskins fan in the early 80s. They were the team, obviously, of the moment back then. And... Um, Everybody became a Washington Redskins fan, and I stopped telling people I was a Redskins fan. And uh, and same over the years. Each time I moved to a different team, because I think, oh, I won't follow them because they're doing well. Of course, the NFL does its usual trick of turning everything up on its head, and uh, suddenly that team becomes the the good team, and people start following them again. So I thought, oh, well, I just enjoy football anyway, so I'll, I'll not have a designated team any longer. Yeah, I, I get that completely. Does that mean you're now a Cleveland Browns fan or were a Cleveland Browns fan? <laughs> I, I, I do like the underdog. I must admit, when the, the, the game is to be played, I, I will usually side with the underdog. Yeah, for sure. But I, under I, that, I'm I, after a good game. As long as it's a good game, then that's more important for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I started as a Broncos fan purely because I picked them on a Madden demo. And <laughs> I got into And then when I started doing fantasy football, I realised that the players and the scores in the game were far more important than following one franchise. Yes. Because indeed. I don't, I don't live ah. in Denver and I'm not surrounded by the Broncos and their local radio station and their podcast. Yeah. I figured I'll just, and because I had so many teams, I supported so many players. I just thought I love the game rather than a team. So, yeah. And I think, I think that's the other reason um, that I stopped following particular teams is because I was playing more fantasy football and, as you say, it's far more important. I was I was cheering for somebody that was playing against my team mm. because I was torn between. And I'm thinking, I'm not really a fan of that team, am I? If I'm cheering for the old, for player of playing against them, so <laughs> that's yeah. another reason why I uh, stopped avidly following anybody's particularly. I think uh, you and I share the same reason, so I think that's as good a reason as any. We will talk some fantasy in a little bit. Yeah, but sure. Before that, who are the best players or media personalities that you've ever met live or photographed? photograph sorry um i think when you when you're close to it you you're doing a job so you don't actually get too awestruck because you're there you're you're taking the pictures and that is what you're focused on um my main photography job is actually taking music pictures so i take pictures of bands and the same question always comes up who's you know your idol and have you photographed them and those sort of things and yes i have but when i'm taking the photographs i'm not normally in awe of them because i've got the job to do the same with nfl but i having said that um adrian peterson was the one that um i think just seeing and photographing him in close quarters at practice and things like this that that was special for me 
Um, so somebody like that who's uh, had such an impact on the game. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, I, I imagine he's quite a locker room character as well, which is probably why the skins have kept him on to help. <laughs> yes, I think so. I mean, the, the other one that um, really impressed me was Sean McVeigh of the Rams. The very first time I went to a press conference with him, I was astounded at with him and his professionalism. And since then, seeing some of the things when he can recall plays, I like even more in awe. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean talked about specific jobs earlier and the guy who stands behind him to drag him out of the way <laughs> that yes absolutely the get back coach we have those in the uk as well we we, we always say to the um, the coach on our sideline and we say and uh, who's your nominated get back coach and they do have a guy who's responsible not as they don't do the job as well as the rams coach um, <laughs> get back coach but uh, they do have a guy responsible for keeping the coach out of our way um, because the teams do get penalized if we run into their coaches so uh, they don't want to uh, have that pulled so back so the refs have right of way as it were on the sideline yes basically that white line that runs down the sideline we've got the first six foot of that and um they're not supposed to be in it during the play it doesn't stop them being in it because they get excited and they want to lean forward and see what's happened but if we run into the coaches on the sideline it's a 15 yard penalty in the code we do which is ncaa rules not nfl rules um so yes they don't want to be in the way because <laughs> we will we will run them over in the first instance which is never good because i'm uh, <laughs> Having been an ex-player, usually if um, I'm concentrating on the field, I can, out the corner of my eye, drop my shoulder and still carry on running. <laughs> so they don't want to be in the way. Uh, and 15-yard penalty to go with it doesn't help. Yeah, no, you don't want Roger dropping a shoulder and then 15-yard penalty on you. That's Exactly. It's a double bubble. <laughs> so how did you become a rules specialist? Uh, and what is your role within the NFL UK regards to this? Okay. So how did I become a rules specialist? Well, that started when I was playing. I became the guy on the team that people turned to and said, is that right? Or can't, can we do this? Uh, what formations, legal, not legal, etc." So I became the team specialist, which when I became a real specialist, I realized how little I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I became an official within the British American Football Referees Association. Um, which has just had its 35th anniversary. It also started in 1984 when the British League started up. So that's a very special time because it's been the one constant within the British game. Uh, so that's always good. Um, so, yeah, I started officiating a few years ago. And um, because of my NFL interest, then I also talk about rules for the NFL and can relate the two different codes and how they uh, they differ and analysing what happens on the field and saying, yeah, this is why that was probably called hopefully in advance of them coming back and saying, yeah, this is why it was probably called. So I get involved from those perspectives when people have queries. So when you were playing and people came to you for the rules, did you have sort of an edge on other teams because you were more rule savvy? Yes, I think you do. I mean, it's like all things, you know, you look at Bill Belichick, people say he cheats and he, he is one to push the boundaries. So let's just put that to one side. But what he's also very good at is is working within the rule set that's given to him to maximise the advantage. Not to cheat, and let's clarify a difference between do different things. So let's put any um, allegations of cheating in the normal sense of the word aside. But he's very good at understanding the rules and understanding how those rules can be used to make an advantage for his team within the rules. 
that having the skill to be able to push to the rules maximum without getting not caught, I suppose that's the wrong way of putting it. But Yeah, not going beyond the line because if you're caught, you've broken a rule. What he does is he plays to the rules to the maximum of his, his advantage. And that's very different from breaking the rules. So I suppose there's a little bit of leeway within the rules themselves then as to what can, and I suppose it's all human decision, isn't it? What one ref decides is a penalty. Well, yes and no. So let's just take that in a little bit. So all of the referees crews, let's take the NFL and talk about the NFL because that's where most people's interests are. So the way that the NFL works is the NFL have obviously the on-field officials who usually work within crews. So the same people will turn up the same eight people, seven field on-field officials, and usually a replay official that will go around as well. So those people will turn up at the game. Now they have, by position and within an overall responsibility, people who are responsible for things they do. They will grade those officials. And they also have at the top of the tree, obviously, Al Riveron, who's the vice president, senior vice president of officiating for the NFL. So the reason why he's there one of the key reasons why he's there is to try and get the referees all to call in the similar way so how should we be calling pass interference what should we let get away and what should we clamp down on and there will be edicts given out by him not only at the beginning of the season but also in his weekly videos where he's making a differentiation between this was a foul this wasn't a foul this shouldn't have been called this roughing the passer that didn't meet the new criteria therefore it shouldn't have been called. And so as the season goes on, you should get more consistency about the way calls are being made on the field. And that's one of their jobs. They also grade the officials. So people say, you know, how did that official still working? Well, he's still working because he's still making the right calls every week. He may make an occasional error, but the NFL referees are graded for every single play they make, both calls they make and calls they should have made that they didn't. And they grade out at about 96%. So, yes, there are errors, but far fewer than the players make in terms of drop passes or the coaches calling the wrong wrong scheme or whatever. So uh, people criticise them, um, but it's the only role where they expect perfection from everybody. Yeah, it's the same in cricket, isn't it? I mean, the amount of of, uh, LBW calls and wide balls and no balls and stuff, they're all, the the rules are there, but it's umpire's interpretation as to where, whether it was wide or whether it was an LBW or whether it was in line. And it's only recently where Hawkeye yes. stuff's coming to be taking exactly. away human error, which for me is part of the sport. It's- yeah, I, I'm sure we'll come into it later because obviously there are some new rule changes which now bring into play judgment calls for replay. And that's a very different field to enter into. Previously, replay had always been used for a specific, did you step out of bounds? Did that line to gain get met? Um, did he have his hands on the ball instead of the ball was actually loose? It's specific, non-questionable elements of the rules. And uh, we're now changing that with the introduction of OPI and DPI, which uh, I'm sure we'll come on to. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I suppose, last question before we hit some fantasy and then the rule changes like you just mentioned, what's it like working for the NFL UK? Well, I'm not an NFL UK employee. Let's start with that. Um, the people who help out in moderation of the NFL UK Facebook group are not NFL people. They are fans like you and I, who the NFL have seen being involved in the game long term, seen their commitment to the game and their knowledge and enjoyment of the game and know that they'll be there for the fans to help them get a good environment so i don't work for the nfl uk specifically um we are just fans who are given a 
a more elevated role to try and keep things in line and make it fun. Perfect. So who do you get to work alongside with as part of that role? Um, well, as part of that role, um, there are three moderators for the NFL UK group. Um, so Liz and Stuart are the other two main people that get involved. And then we have some people that uh, nobody knows their name, but are behind the scenes who are NFL UK employees uh, who keep a low profile on the group, but they are there. Um, obviously, they're there to make sure that uh, everything is run in, in conjunction with the way that the NFL would like it run. But at the end of the day, Stuart, I and Liz are the ones that uh, that uh, do, do it. So we're the main ones. Yeah, we had Stuart on. He's a top guy. Really. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Yeah, I've only met him once, so it'd be good to uh, get to meet him again. We're uh, being involved in a mock draft um, over the Easter uh, time, oh, so well, it'd be fun to uh, get involved there. Are you, you going to be there? Yes, I, I think I'm going to have a supervisory referee role, um, as I'm not representing a specific team, um, as Paul uh, obviously does. Uh, it's probably best that he doesn't become the, the commissioner or the, the adjudicator <laughs> of what's right and what's wrong. And so I think uh, I might be wearing the referee shirt that day. Oh, amazing. Well, Murph and I are going. He's representing, I think, I don't know whether he's at the main table or representing the Buccaneers, um, but I am one of the three Denver Broncos general managers. So hey. you, you keep your uh, black and white shirt away from the Broncos. <laughs> I'll bring my Ed, Ed Hockley signed NFL referee shirt. How about that? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right then seeing as we are a fantasy football podcast Roger, yes let's talk some fantasy you said you played yeah how, how did your season go this year did you win any rings any titles how many leagues well embarrassed to say that this year was the first year since i started playing which was when it started being that i didn't make the playoffs and i finished bottom of the league so i am hanging my head in shame i'm afraid this year was not one to uh write home about and it was only one league, which is even worse. So you'd think I would have the time to uh, concentrate. But really, with all the other things, uh, here's the excuses coming in. <laughs> I'm starting to become a fan, aren't I? Uh, here's the excuses. So, yes, I was very tied up with uh, refereeing, uh, NFL UK, and various other things. So uh, I, I didn't do well this year, I'm afraid. No, I think when they're football-related issues, you can get almost a buy for it. You know, if you're <laughs> appreciating. You're very generous. Well, I mean, I didn't have the greatest fantasy season either. Um, I, I was in way too many leagues to start with. And then I played my... So my brother-in-law basically had a bet with me and it was who could win. <laughs> we were in all the leagues together. I don't know if you heard our podcast from before. And, yes. And yeah, so you know the story of him beating me in nine of my 11. <laughs> yes, very embarrassing. Yeah. I like playing in leagues without people I know. But I like playing with Americans because I love beating them at American football. Um, and I take infinite pleasure in um, beating the Americans at their own game. Oh, absolutely. I think the only trouble when you do that is if you get people who aren't committed and they don't use the waiver wire or they're not, they're not oh, trading. Absolutely. That is a bugbear of mine, that the number of people who start playing a league and then quit or don't carry through. And even though I finished last in my league, there was no week I didn't look at my lineup and there was no week where I didn't look to see if there was a player on the waiver wire. Because for me, you're not playing. Otherwise, you shouldn't be even entering if you're not going to play. No, I think there should be some form of, because uh, you, you see it even at the fantasy draft where players commit to the draft and bearing in mind the draft room is three minutes long. So I'm not sure what <laughs> happens in between you committing and not drafting, but you get people who also draft for the draft. And I'm thinking, yeah. what's the point? I think if that happens, there's some an owner from another league, there should be a, a substitute league where 
you're waiting for a team and rather than draft you get just get put into the league in place yes. of that owner so you you take on their team and then yeah. you know that that person's willing to play because he's going to take yeah on. absolutely you should never commit to something that you're not willing to carry through with that's my motto no, I mean the reason I played my brother-in-law in nine of eleven leagues is because it was just him and I running the waiver wire. So we had the two best teams in the league, and <laughs> and then it would, we either finished one and three or two and four, and and we faced each other in the semi-finals. It was unfortunate, but for me, yes. anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, I bet he was very glad though. Yeah, he he. I taught him everything he knows about fantasy, and he would deny it all. But I did. And <laughs> you taught him too well. That's the trouble. Yeah, I I did. You're right. And he te- he keeps he keeps saying that he doesn't know anything about football, but I, I beg to differ, Joshua. I beg to differ. <laughs> so you said you played in one league. Yeah, only one league here, the, the NFL um, format, uh, which I like as the format. I have tried various throughout the throughout the years, um, but my favourite is the NFL uh, fantasy football. Interesting, interesting. I would say that was probably my second least favourite behind the <laughs> yeah. But So what is it about the others that you like then? So for redraft leagues, like your standard, just you mentioned once a year, Mm -hmm. uh, ESPN, well, up until last year, the ESPN app is so easy to use and it's so user-friendly and clean looking. Um, Just the NFL app, the notifications aren't great. Uh, Well, I'm a desktop user. Maybe that makes a difference. I'm not an app user when it comes to it, other than when I'm out and about and have no choice than to make last minute changes. Yeah. Well, being on the fly and being fluid is important, Roger. And, and yeah, well, that's where I'm going wrong, obviously. I'm, I'm being left behind by the youth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Sleep App, where we run all our listener leagues and my dynasty leagues are all on. That's even better. And it gets yeah. better every year they do it. So. I'll have to try it. I'll have to change my um, stuck in the ways. Well, if, if you're interested, we, there's definitely a place available for you in one of our leagues. Yeah, it only have to be one, and uh, that's fine. It has to be a, a sensible draft time. That's the other thing that uh, plays into my decisions. I need to uh, have a time that will work for me. Well, I'll tell you what, because <laughs> I because I like playing against Americans. Usually, the timing doesn't work for drafting. That's the other thing that comes into play. Yeah, you almost need to do like a long draft with Americans. <laughs> I'm currently in a stupid league. It's an eighteen PPR uh, IDP league, so it includes defensive positions as well and it's mm. uh, an eight hour slow draft so each pick you can take up to eight hours and there's 48 rounds <laughs> now that sounds like my thing I could, I could i could sort of sleep and then come back and make the make the pick <laughs> uh, well there you go i tell you what we'll set up a roger goodgroves dedication <laughs> you can be in that how's that sound sounds perfect wicked well so what do you think is going to change in 2019 for fantasy football or what can you um say? i I've got to get the right people giving me advice, I think, because my uh, previous uh, looking at the NFL uh, advice seems to be obviously waning in my abilities. So I'm going to have to uh, get some better experts, I think, is the uh, key to this one. Listen to some better people. You're in the right place. I mean, exactly. Just listen to us. We're one hour a week if you just want some fantasy. I'm not listening to you. You lost nine out of (laughs) ten. No, 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 I didn't. I lost nine out of ten playoffs. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I'll I made half my. I made over half the the leagues. I made the playoffs. Then yes, you you still stand there. I mean, if you want to listen to Murph, he won four of his five leagues. So there you I'm, go. You see, I'm the Murph's the man. He, he is unfortunately. So get well soon, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you mentioned favorite format on the NFL app, which is going to change soon. And do you prefer standard or PPR? Uh, standard. Uh, any simplification. I, I, I have too many other things going in my life, so uh, that's the way. No, you do sound crazy busy. 
<laughs> unfortunately yes oh fortunately which is i mean it's it's probably going to get worse not better because at this weekend's convention i was uh, uh voted in as the director of operations for the league so uh my responsibilities have increased so uh, unfortunately uh i can see myself with less time not more time <laughs> oh roger making life difficult for yourself i know <laughs> don't make it easy <laughs> if you enjoy it, then go for it exactly, exactly. you only live once live your best life yes Right, Roger, you're here to talk NFL rule changes as well, so let's dive into some of those. With PIs being reviewable, including non-calls now, can you explain the whole rule to Rush Nation and what impact it's going to have on the game? Yes. Now let's let's go backwards a little bit if we can. So it's what's interesting about the rule change, as I alluded to earlier, which is it's the first rule change to come into replay that makes a subjective call reviewable. Now the league and the owners, and let's just backtrack a little bit even further. How do rules come about? Well, they're not the officials that make the rules. Let's start with that. People assume that the officials are involved, but they're not. All they are is the instigators of making them happen. The process to make a rule change actually comes from something called a competition committee, which is made up of a variety of league owners, um, a few GMs, and a few coaches with a sprinkling of uh, people like Al Riveron and Co. Um, keeping a watchful eye. Um, so they put forward proposals for changes. They analyze the data, they look at safety, and they look at the changes uh, that needed to make the, the league competitive. Teams also put forward their changes, um, and they all say, we would like to have this happen. Now, teams are very uh, notoriously bad at getting changes passed. Uh, to give you an idea, in the last three or four years, only about 15% of team-suggested changes actually get adopted and something in the region of 85% of the competition committee's proposals get adopted by the owners. This year, it was interesting because pass interference, where it has been adopted, was not as proposed by either the teams or the um, competition committee. What was proposed by the competition committee for pass interference was the ability to review a call that was already made for pass interference. Now, the rule that actually came about is the ability to not only propose a flag that's already been thrown and say, I'm challenging that it shouldn't have been thrown, but like the NFC Championship game, to be able to challenge a flag that should have been thrown that wasn't. And that is a very big difference for the way that the previous uh, owners who have to vote on these rules, and 75% of the owners have to agree to a rule change. It's not like your Brexit 52-48 swings the balance. This, this, is, this is serious commitment. They have to all agree. Well, not all agree. Three quarters of them have to agree. So it has to be a sweeping, yes, the owners want this. And the owners wanted um, changes to happen. <laughs> so they have now have past interference where you can challenge a flag that should have been thrown that wasn't. So let's just take it back. So what do you have to have in order to have pass interference? Well, it seems obvious, but you also have, a, have to have a pass. <laughs> now, because before uh, a pass is actually thrown, interference in the terms of what would be pass interference, if it isn't when a, uh, a ball is in the air, is actually usually called as holding um, rather than pass interference. So to, in order to have pass interference, you have to have a, a pass. You have to have a catchable pass. And this comes back to one of the rule changes that will be very difficult to overturn. Sometimes you'll see officials down on the field and the pass will come towards the area where there is a receiver and they'll wave their hand over their head. What they're indicating there is there would have been a foul, but because the ball was uncatchable, I'm not going to flag that. Now, if you see that, 
and a coach challenges it, you can take money to the bank that the league will not be overturning that. Because the only way they could realistically say that they could effectively rule clear and obvious that it was therefore interference when the ball was catchable was almost to have the ball touch the guy's hands. Because otherwise, how are you going to decide whether it was clear and obvious that was a catchable pass? Then, in terms of the other things to take into account, there are a variety of um, things that you cannot do to stop somebody catching the ball. And just bear in mind here, this, this works both ways. It's not just on the defensive people stopping the offensive people. It also works the other way around. Once the ball is in the air, both players, let's assume two are going up for it, have equal right to the ball. However, there are a number of things you can't do. You can't restrict the player's ability to catch the ball. So drag him back, um, run him off the route, uh, which is um, one you saw in the previous year where there was a flag thrown in the Jags versus Patriots game and everybody complained about it. But the guy, clearly, if you look at it from the end zone, he ran him off his route. And that's not allowed. So it was a flag that should have been thrown. It was harsh because it was a big penalty at a decisive point in the game, which is actually also interesting to think about um, the change that's been made. The reason why a change was proposed is that the league had done analysis on penalties that were called and their impact on the likelihood of a team winning or losing as a result of that change. So if you have a five-yard penalty for an offside or a, a false start, very different to having a maybe 40, 50, 60-yard offensive pass interference or defensive pass interference call. Um, and that can really swing a game. And the league had done a lot of analysis and put that to the owners to say, these are the impacts of this penalty. And therefore, it should be something that is challengeable because it has such a big impact on whether a team is going to win or lose. So, um, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's okay. A couple of years ago, Mile in the Patriots-Jags game where Mile yeah. Jack intercepted the ball and ran off down the... But there was a whistle blown. If he was yes. to have kept running and scored a touchdown and then the Jags threw in their challenge flag that, they, that they're then challenging the whistle that shouldn't have been blown, would that have then... Counted? Right. No, and let me explain why. What you had in that circumstance is, so you have a number of rules that come into play. So the first question is, was the ball fumbled? Did the other guy recover it without being touched, etc.? Um, so in that particular circumstance, the whistle was blown. And there is something called the inadvertent whistle rule. And it, it decides what happens should a whistle be blown by an official when it's not supposed to be. And there are circumstances where it can come back and be given to the opposition, even though the ball ended up with somebody else, etc. Because of the inadvertent whistle, the timing of that dictates who's going to get the ball if there's a clear recovery. But in that Miles Jack circumstance, the fact that this um, ball was where it was, the official made a correct ruling that that play was over. So he was correcting the, the whistle. Now, there is an argument to be made that says, should he have let it go just in case he had got it wrong, and therefore it could be brought back by replay? But in the circumstances that it was, they got the call right. It's just, I think he got more lucky than right um, <laughs> because he blew it. And yes, it, you can see clearly that the rules um, were followed, but I think he got lucky. I think it just, it was a circumstantial, the fact that the, the ball was where it was and he was touched, etc., that made it dead rather than he saw it at that time like that. Right. Um, so going back to passing to first, there are a couple of other things that you, you cannot do to receivers. Um, so you can't put your arm across them, as known as an arm bar, to sort of slow them down to get the ball. Um, you can't grab their hands as they're going up to 
receive the ball. And sometimes you'll see receivers going up and catching one-handed passes. And you think, oh, great receiver, but he's showboating. No, he wasn't. His other hand was being pinned to his side by the, by the defender. And you're not allowed to do that. So there are a number of things like that that uh, come into play. You're not allowed to get there early, uh, make initial contact. So the NFC uh, Championship game was a prime example of that, which is the defending player basically arrived at the receiver before the ball did. Yeah. Now, <laughs> balls that arrive simultaneously with the defender getting there are known as bang-bang plays. And the league will not want bang-bang plays being called as penalties. And if somebody challenges a bang-bang play, they're not going to slow down the video and frame-by-frame frame say one hundred-thousandth of a second before the ball got there, the defender got there. That's a bang-bang play. They won't overturn those plays. It needs to be clear, um, like the NFC Championship game, where the, the defender clearly arrived before the ball did. That should have been a penalty. Right. Do you think with, obviously, this year's draft class, uh, wide receivers are now massive. Do you think <laughs> that the size of wide receivers coming into the NFL, I, I mean, you look at Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, I know they're both on the same team, but Tyreek Hill, I'm trying to think of some other small receivers. Generally, this year's draft class of receivers are a lot bigger. Do you think having bigger receivers is going to make these calls more prevalent, like pass interference, just because of the size of the guys now? Yes, potentially, and no. And I'll throw in the other part, side of the coin, which is people are assuming about this rule that it works in one direction, that it will be the defensive people uh, challenged for a call that should have been made. But if you look down where plays happen, where a team is very close to the goal line, there are a lot of plays that are euphemistically called rubs, that are really picks. Um, and those are very difficult to pick up in the very immediate action that happens at the scrimmage just within the last five yards before the goal line because there's so much going on all at once. And it's often difficult to get a good clear view on what one receiver was doing as he's crossing over to get a path past another defender. But in replay, it's a lot easier to isolate a player away from that mayhem that's going on and to say, no, he took him out of his path and therefore it's offensive pass interference. So it, it will be played both ways and it won't be as clear-cut in one direction as people are assuming here. Right. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I think, you, I think you'll be surprised because there will be times, I'm sure, where people will be saying... I'm challenging this offensive pass interference flag that it should have been thrown. And the replay will go, yeah, there should have been a def defensive pass interference flag as well. Therefore, you're not winning your challenge or you are winning your challenge because, yes, you're right, it shouldn't have been called, but it, it goes the other way. So uh, it's not always going to be rosy for the uh, people calling it. I, I, people say it's going to slow the game down. I don't think it will too much. I think people, No, I don't. I think people will now want to use their challenges more wisely. Well, coaches are notoriously bad at challenging. Uh, their percentage win... Uh, records are usually sub 50%. So you could toss a coin better than they can um, challenge plays. And a number of teams are actually employing people to work with them who are ex-officials um, to work with them. Raiders have just done it. And they will be having guidance from that person about when they should or shouldn't be calling. Those officials are working with the players on a database basis to say, this is what you shouldn't be doing. This is what you can do to play within the rules. And uh, they will use the officials like that to uh, get better better at calling. Well, it just shows but that... going back to what you just said, will it slow the game down? No, I don't think it will. Coaches won't have any more challenges. They will lose challenges quicker because they will be throwing judgment calls. And at any time a judgment call comes into play, obviously it is one person's opinion right, rather than factual, did he step out of bounds or whatever. And in order to overturn it, you're going to have to say, not only is my opinion 
um, that it should have been, but it's clear that it should have been. And that isn't going to be easy to overturn. So I don't think there will be more challenges won. I think there'll be more challenges lost and therefore they won't get a third um, challenge. Um, the only time that it might make a difference is in the last two minutes when it's only replay that's actually slowing the play down to check on flags. But they'll be doing a little bit like the AAF were doing with the Sky Judge. Um, although the, the NFL um, decided not to have a Sky Judge, even though the coaches um, <laughs> unanimously wanted it, they won't have a Sky Judge in name, but you will have the replay official acting like a Sky Judge and making a judgment call that says, we don't need to stop this play because... It, there's not enough there to say that this call is going to be overturned. If it's in doubt, it's not going to be overturned. It needs to be clear and obvious. So unless something jumps out at a replay official, they won't be stopping the clock within the last two minutes to check every play. Oh, that's good news. Mm. So I, mean, we, I could be wrong, but my opinion is that they won't do that. Well, let's hope not, because it would really slow the game down, especially in the last <laughs> two minutes, which is normally yes. quite exciting. <laughs> quite, quite exciting, quite long <laughs> already. Um, so blindside blocks, obviously abolishing them all now on the field personal foul 15 yards can you expand a bit further on this i can but let's start with the, let's start with um contradiction um all blindside blocks are not going to be um, illegal right but what they are doing is making blindside blocks safer so let's just talk about what are blindside blocks basically a blindside block is when a player who's being blocked doesn't have a chance to see the person that's blocking them usually happens when a change of direction on the field. So a runner, let's say, starts cutting out towards one sideline, sees that his route's all blocked, and suddenly will do a, a U-turn, heads for the other sideline. And obviously the defender changes to start chasing them down. But there's a, a variety of people that are in between him and the runner, and one of them decides to block their, their path. Now, historically, that's been done by decleating the player, literally taking his head off as part of the play. And this is a safety rule. They've already clamped down in previous years to say, whilst you can do a blindside block, you can't block the head and neck area against a player that's in a blindside um, position. Um, that was already a rule. So what they've actually done is tightened the rule that says what you can do. So you can no longer take out through the chest with a shoulder, helmet or forearm and take the player off his feet that way using those things. But it doesn't mean to say you can't use your hands to block the players coming in the opposite direction. So you will still see people being decleated, but it'll be in a different way, a far safer way from a concussion issue point of view, but there will still be blindside blocks. Gotcha. So allowing teams to enforce a personal foul or unsportsmanlike conduct penalty committed during a touchdown on either the try, PAT or two-point conversion, or on the ensuing kickoff, what will this do to games? Okay, not a lot, but it's, it's, it's really just closing off a loophole in the rules. Um, there are certain fouls that are declined by rule. So sometimes you'll see there is a flag on the play, but it's declined by rule. The score counts, and we just ignore the fact that there was a foul. Certain fouls will be being carried over to the subsequent kickoff. What you'll note, or the PAT, depending on the circumstances, so basically it stops people being able to get away with cheap shots that might have been able to be to get away with at the, the end of a scoring play that would otherwise been waved off previously. They will now be enforceable. But if you look at it in terms of impact, well, okay, so the kicker who's normally kicking off and gets it very close to the end zone or into the end zone now is 15 yards nearer to make that kick. What's the likely impact? He's likely to kick it into the end zone. 
So you're likely to see little impact of it anyway, because they've also changed the kickoff rules and made those safer. And they've made permanent this year what they had um, introduced last year as a temporary rule changes. Um, you're not allowed to do wedge blocks. You're not allowed to uh, line up in certain positions. You're not allowed to be too far away from the ball, the, the kick, all those sort of things have changed the kickoff rule immensely anyway. So all it will do is then more end up, more touchbacks. So not really changing much, but it does just close off the loophole for um, what was being allowed and wiped off by rule previously. Cool. I hate touchbacks. <laughs> I mean, it's good for players. <laughs> Me too. That's what the, one of the things I liked about the AAF, actually, was... Um, um, th- it was much better to watch a live game because they didn't have kicks yeah. because it wasn't slowed down so much. Yeah, I mean, it is safer for players and, and not getting huge hits from receiving the ball and then running upfield to a player that's running at you full steam. Yeah. I, I understand that, but the excitement of seeing Tony, yeah. for instance. <laughs> Absolutely. You get a good run back. It's, it's one of the highlights because it's yeah. a 100-yard run often. So, yeah, I love, I love a run back when it works, but more often than not, they were touchbacks and they're boring as hell. Yeah, they are. And the crowd get amped for a, a run back as well. If a player yeah. makes it up to the 40-yard or 50-yard line, the crowd goes mad for it. And I think the other thing that's um, it's a, it's a game-changer in terms of swing because usually the team that's receiving the ball has just been scored against. They're down. Um, and it's a real lift to get a good yardage return before you start your next drive. It really picks that team that's just been scored against up and makes it more competitive. Absolutely. I think we should, there should be some sort of penalty for kicking it into the end zone. To make a touchback, I think you should, You should. I don't know, maybe I'm going the wrong way of safety here. Anyway. No, I think they need to change it. And I think, to be honest, the way they're going, the way things are progressing, they will go like the AF where they will stop having kickoffs. They'll take the fun out of it and nobody will like them anyway. And the crowds will be bored by them and they'll think, oh, okay, well, we're going to have a kickoff. We've just done an advert. We're going to have the kickoff. Then we're going to have another advert. And they'll just turn off. And, and people start turning off watching it. They'll, they'll make changes. Yeah, possibly. Well, who's it? we'll see, we'll see. So, do you have any personal views on the proposed rule for allowing both teams to possess the ball in overtime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see it, to be honest. I can understand why they don't. They want to have that sudden death uh, thing where you know a team scoring a touchdown le- leaves the field, and they want that in there. And that's the one thing that I think um, why it'll take a while before they will change anything. Um, but I think the proposal that was tabled, so what tabled means is basically we're not, discounting it and saying no but you need to bring it back to us at the next meeting with some changes now what we don't know is what changes might be being proposed to make the rule more palatable for the owners and it could be just a minor wording change that they say in these circumstances we won't have it and therefore we'll pass it or we'll pass it for a year and try it out um but tabling means basically you need you have another go at bringing it back to the owners to have a, a, a vote on it and if you can change it sufficiently that enough of the owners will actually support it then they'll have a vote and uh, go forward from there cool okay that's interesting good to know with me being a predominantly fantasy football player i'm not massively up on rules and rule changes and stuff is there anything that <laughs> i've missed or we should be made aware of now you've covered the main ones i mean the 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 Sky Judge was in an interesting one from uh, how the rules get to where they get. Because I mentioned earlier that it's the competition committee that really that drives the rule changes, the owners that vote on them. Um, the coaches, as a block, have a couple of representatives on that competition committee, um, but they don't actually have a big say in it. But one of the things that happened at the league owners' meeting uh, this year was that the coaches voted unanimously for having a Sky Judge and uh, the owners didn't even vote on it. 
but there was a big sway for them to have that. So I'll see that one coming back next year as another proposal. Yeah, it was really good in the AAF, this guy, Judge. Yeah, I think so too. And actually, um, interesting enough, I'm actually um, going for a training session on Monday in Chicago uh, with Dean Blandino, who's been one of the Sky Dodgers for the AAF. He's the guy that was the ex-vice um, president of officiating a few years ago before Alvaro Riveron. And he's now um, involved with the NCAA for replay. So I'm going on his training event on Monday in Chicago, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Roger Goodgrove's out in Chicago on training. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. I, what's really annoying was I was going to take in um, one of the AF games, uh, the game oh. in Memphis, on the way. But of course, that's now all been cancelled. So that's uh, thrown my uh, my trip out. So now I'm going to be sightseeing within Memphis and probably going to Graceland and the Stax Museum and things like that to uh, enjoy the trip. So it'll still be good for me because I'm a music fan, but uh, not quite the same as uh, what I'd originally planned. Yeah, well... Like you said, it's still going to be good and you're not going to be wasting time sat in a hotel room. So Exactly. Right, Roger, this has all been absolutely fascinating and I have learned an absolute bundle. Would you like to let Rush Nation know where people can find your articles? Yeah, yeah absolutely sure. Um, well, I write articles for double coverage. Uh, so that's dblcoverage.com. Uh, you can also find me Roger Goodgrows on Twitter, Roger Goodgrows on Facebook without any dots or any uh, things like that. Uh, so they're the predominant places. And... Uh, the NFL UK official Facebook group. Um, you can always find me on there as well as I uh, spend a lot of time there. Brilliant. Well, it would be absolutely awesome if you would come back on and talk more rule changes and we can give you some fantasy advice because you <laughs> I need it, absolutely. Uh, it's a fair exchange. Perfect. Well, Rush Nation, until Thursday, this has been fun. Roger, it's been a pleasure for coming on. Thank you so much. My pleasure. But until next week, or Thursday, Rush Nation, keep rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 